It's more than just another radio show. It's a beacon of truth. Fasten your seatbelt and find out why they call Deacon Harold Burke Sivers the dynamic deacon. Join Deacon Harold for a fast-paced hour that sheds encouraging light on today's culture. Welcome to Beacon of Truth with your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello and welcome to Beacon of Truth. I am your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, where we speak the truth of our Catholic faith in love. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Not a truth, the truth. Uh, truth is therefore is not a philosophical idea. It's not something you form in our mind. Truth is a person. Truth is a dynamic relationship with the living God. And here uh, on Beacon of Truth on the EW10 Global Catholic Radio Network, we are here to connect you more deeply, to, uh, your faith more deeply to your life, to, to, to speak the truth in love so that you may love God more deeply with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to connect your faith more deeply to your everyday lived experience. Uh, if you want to see where I'm going to be uh, speaking, I you know I travel quite extensively, about 250,000 miles a year. Just go to my website, deaconherald.com, and uh, click on the schedule link. You see if I'll be in your area. I always love meeting people from our EWTN family, uh, whether it's television or radio. I love meeting all the folks who love and support Mother Angelica and the EWTN network. So uh, take a look at my schedule. I'd love to meet you in person. Uh, uh, so today, we're going to talk about the Christian checkbox. <laughs> I mean, do, do we live our faith like we just tick it off a list? You know, like, for, for example, a grocery list. Okay, like, oh, I just, real life. My wife, just yesterday, was not feeling well. And she goes, oh, honey, can you go to the store for me? And I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't really feel like it. But I went anyway because I'm a husband and I'm a dutiful husband. I do, you know, uh, make that sacrifice for my wife. So I went to the store and it was a checklist. You know, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And when I got everything on the list, I was done. You know, uh, task completed, mission accomplished. Uh, but do we do that? Same Do we have that same kind of attitude? Do we treat our faith that way as if it is just another thing to check off of a list, to check off of a box? Um, you know, I, I, I was thinking about this because especially when we hear the statistics about uh, the young adults and the largest growing segment of young adults are the nuns. And I wish I meant the sisters, <laughs> but but the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, uh, those young people who say, uh, what religion do I identify with? Am I Catholic? Am I Protestant? Am I Buddhist? Am I Muslim? Am I Hindu? And they check none. Right? They check nothing. So we can't treat our faith like a checklist. Uh, yeah, there's certain things that we want to accomplish within our faith, you know, every day. Like I have my routine. I get up every morning. I say a, a quick morning prayer. Lord, thank you for allowing me to see the light of another day so that I may give honor, praise, and glory to your most holy name. Then I say a quick prayer at my wife, and then I get out of bed. And then I go and I pray the office. I pray 
Matins and Lauds, or uh, I still use the monastic names, uh, Office of Readings and Morning Prayer. Uh, I say those, uh, first thing, I say those prayers together. Then I have a little litany of personal prayers that I do after my morning prayers. Why? Because uh, as a deacon, and it's the same thing as priests and bishops were ordained, uh, we take a, we make a promise at ordination to pray the liturgy of the hours or the divine office every day uh, for the church. And that is the other public prayer of the church besides the holy sacrifice of the mass. So we have the mass and we have the liturgy of the hours or the divine office. Now, the divine office is not just for, for clerics. I mean, we, we make a, a promise to pray them on behalf of the church, but anybody can pray the liturgy of the hours or the divine office. There's some great apps out there you can download. I use iBrievery um, if I need to. I actually, I use the books. <laughs> you know, I, I love using the books. I have the four-volume uh, set for the liturgy of the hours because I do the full readings. Um, and yes, it, it, it takes time and I have to get up a little earlier to do that. But the, the richness of the scriptures, there's, there's more Psalms there to pray. You know, I, I just can't imagine not praying the full office every day. So that includes uh, matins and lauds or morning, uh, 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 office of readings and morning prayer. Then one of the uh, afternoon prayers, terse sector non or, or mid-morning, midday or mid-afternoon prayer. And then vespers and compline or evening prayer and night prayer. I do that full complement of prayers every single day. Um, uh, and, and interspersed with that, interspersed with that, of course, is the rosary, which I actually usually do when I'm on the treadmill, uh, and the chaplet of divine mercy. Right. So, so, so throughout the day, and, and why is that important? I'm consecrating the day to the Lord. So it's not just a checklist, just do this, do this, do this, and then I'm done. No, it, it, that, those things on the checklist that I have allow me to enter more deeply into my relationship with Jesus Christ. So it, it's not just something that I'm doing that I do and I'm done. No, I do it and I move closer to Christ. <laughs> so, because look, there's going to be things that happen in your everyday life. That's going to make you take a few steps back from Christ. That's what sin does. It moves us uh, away from deep intimacy with the Lord. So, you know, we take we take some steps forward in our faith and then we get knocked back a few steps. But you know what? Just like Jesus, he picked up his cross and kept going. The same thing is true in our faith life every day. We, we fall down. We go back to the sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, and, and we pick up our, our, our faith and we keep moving forward. You know, we never stay in one place. And, you know, so... So for, for all of us, then, our faith should not just be a checklist, a dutiful checklist. Um, uh, we, can keep, we can do things every day, every day, that are always bringing us closer to Jesus in the Eucharist and in the sacraments, to access the beautiful grace of the sacraments so we can live our faith life more deeply and with more conviction. You know, I think a lot of people, uh, especially young men, will walk away from the church because they don't see the faith being lived boldly and prophetically in our culture today. We're so afraid of what, about what people think and hurting people's feelings and, and all of that that we don't, we're afraid to speak the truth in love. 
And that's why Beacon of Truth is here to help you speak the beautiful faith, uh, our beautiful one holy Catholic and apostolic faith in love. And so uh, uh, with me is my producer, uh, Ace, who I uh, uh, have come to know very well over the time that we've been doing the show. And uh, what about you, Ace? You, you You don't leave your faith as a checkbox, do you? Well, I will say, in all fairness, that's how I was raised. I mean, as a kid, it was, you know, you had your, you know, Our Daily Bread or whatever Devo book, and it was your first 15 minutes of the day. But for me, what I found as I got closer to God is that I needed something not only that was lasting all day, but something that was different every day. Like just to read a little Devo or someone else's opinion of the scriptures just didn't speak to me. And I didn't feel that connection to God. I needed to be able to mix it up. And so for me, it's not a checkbox. If anything, I'm probably one of those that I'm like, yeah, let me talk to God before I give you an answer on that. You know, yeah, and that's just yeah. kind of where my heart has been for some time. Yeah, and that's that's very honest. And, and you know, a lot of people uh, are in the same boat. They, they, they learn their faith. They learn things about their faith. You know, especially in Catholic school, we need this to, you know, to take the test so we can pass the test. Mm -hmm. The test is not what happens in the classroom. The test is going to be at the end of our life when we're standing before Jesus Christ. And we have to give uh, an account for how we lived our life, how he how we use the gifts that he gave us to honor and glorify him, uh, how we multiplied the talents that he has given us. Again, not just a checklist. He's given us talents. He's given us gifts. And we need to be able to use those gifts to be able to glorify, not glorify ourselves, Psalm 115. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name, give the glory. Uh, And so we, we enter more deeply into the life of faith than we're truly able to become the person who God created and calls each one of us to be. You know, I'm going to, again, the Psalms are chocked full of these uh, uh, beautiful reflections on how we live our faith more deeply. And um, we're going to be looking at one of the Psalms that speaks to this checklist, this idea of the uh, Christian checkbox. You know, that we shouldn't live our faith that way, that we should enter, you know, um, uh, no holds barred, just dive into loving, deep, intimate faith with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and you are listening to Beacon of Truth on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Beacon of Truth. I'm your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so blessed and grateful to be with you, my EWTN family. And today uh, we're talking about the Christian checkbox. We should not live our faith. It's just we just tick it off a list, but we should enter more deeply into the life of God, which is exactly what cooperating with the grace of the sacraments 
uh, helps us to do. Well, I know before we uh, get into the Psalms, Deacon, I do want to remind people they can listen to us anytime, anywhere. EWTN has an app that you can download, stream us live. You can, of course, take Deacon with you on the road and also know that you can go back and listen to shows that you might have missed. Just check us out in your app store or you can go to EWTNapps.com and download today. All right, it is time to break open God's words in the Psalms. And uh, so since we're talking about the Christian checkbox, and we shouldn't live our our faith uh, like it's just something that we just check off a list, um, I thought I would share one of the Psalms with you that I think, uh, to me, speaks to entering more deeply into the life of God. Uh, And uh, for for this one, I'm going to pick Psalm 1. (laughs) <laughs> the, the very first psalm. So uh, as you you heard me, you, you all know I, by this time I love the psalms. I mean, uh, I've been praying the psalms for uh, for over 40 years, and I never get tired of them. And Psalm 1, of course, is in book 1 of the psalm. The psalms are broken, the 150 psalms are broken into uh, five books um, that, that kind of mirror the, the five books of the Pentateuch, or the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And the Psalms are broken up into five books. So you have Psalms 1 to 41, which are attributed to to David. Then you have uh, 42 to 72. And so 42 to 49 are sons of Korah. Psalm 50 is Asaph. Then Psalms 51 to uh, 72 are David. Uh, and then you have uh, book three, 73 to 89. So you have 73 to 83 uh, is Asaph. You have 84, 85, 87, and 88 uh, are, Asa, are sons of Korah. 86 is written by David. And in fact, David is the only one that has Psalms in all five books. <laughs> He's the only one that has Psalms in all, all the books. Uh, and then Psalm 89 is, is uh, Haman and 80 and 90. Uh, sorry, 88 is Haman. And uh, Psalm 89 is uh, uh, Nathan or Ethan. And then uh, that's the end of uh, uh, book three. And then book four starts with Psalm 90, which is by Moses. But today, we're going to start with Psalm 1, uh, again, written by David. Uh, again, entering more deeply into the life of God and not the checkbox. Blessed, it starts off, blessed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path with sinners, nor abides in the company of scorners. Okay, so so <laughs> look at this. So the very first thing that David wants us to know in the Psalms here, so blessed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked. So we're not listening to the voice of the culture, the culture that's turning our minds and our hearts away from God, the culture that curses God, right? I mean, I'm not a big television watcher. Uh, but, you know, why is it when they, uh, on television, when they curse God, it's always Jesus? You don't hear them cursing Buddha. You don't hear them cursing Muhammad. You don't hear them cursing any other person's, a person of, of, of their faith, significant uh, leader of the faith. They always curse Jesus. Why? Because even this crooked and depraved generation, as St. Paul says, or this uh, adulterous and sinful generation, as, as um, uh, Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, 
they this even even this culture knows who the real God is, and that's the God that they mock. So David is is showing us that if we are to be blessed, if we're to enter more deeply into the life of God, we have to follow not the counsel of the wicked, not listen to the voice of the culture that's trying to turn our minds and hearts away from deep, intimate faith, uh, nor stand in the path with sinners. Now, we are supposed to witness to sinners. That's what the word martyr, martyroi in Greek means to witness. We are to bear witness to our faith in the midst of sinners, but we're not in to stand in the path with sinners. Um, so, so think of it like this. Uh, if you, cause I now live in Oregon, right? I grew up in, in New Jersey, uh, in, in Hillside, right near Newark. Uh, but now I live in, in the, uh, in Portland, Oregon, there's a lot of rivers and, and, and things here. And so, you know, I'm kind of getting used to nature, actually. <laughs> to be honest with you, it's, it's actually kind of cool. But I notice when you go down a river, right, you're, you're floating down the river. And sometimes you get waylaid. Sometimes the current will take you to the shore. So you're still along the river, but now you're a little bit waylaid on the shore. That's kind of like venial sin. You know, you kind of got off the path a little bit, but you just nudge a little bit and you're right back on the path again. However... If there's a tributary or something that, uh, uh, the part of the river that goes off to the side in another direction, that's taking you away from the stream that's flowing to your destination and taking you in a whole different direction someplace else. That's, that's what David is telling us. We cannot go on the path with sinners. There are other people that are going to live their life not according to the teachings of the faith. They're going to live the life the way that they want to live it because they're following the God of the culture, um, more relative as a secular humanism. So, yes, we are to evangelize and witness to them, but we're not to walk along the same path as them because they will, you know, lure us and take us out of our faith. And that's exactly what's happening with a lot of young people today. The, the allurement of this culture are pulling their minds and hearts away from God. Why? Because a lot of them are living their faith like a checklist, right? So, so the, the wisdom here of David is uncanny uh, with our topic today. And finally, verse 1 says, nor abide in the company of scorners, right? Oh, my goodness. You know, um, I can't be around people who watch political talk uh, political television or listen to political talk radio i just can't because those people are angry all the time they are constantly whining about this and this and politics uh, and, and let's be honest even even things in the church you know well pope this and uh, this teaching from the vatican like oh my goodness look you know you can't control those things you know why are we worrying about things that we have absolutely no control over. You know, my attitude is, okay, I listen, I hear something. Okay, um, how is this going to help me in my walk with Christ? <laughs> is, is listening to this or getting all caught up in the in, in all the politics and all that stuff is that going to help me witness, be a better witness to Jesus Christ in the world, to all the people that need a witness? Is, is watching this or listening to this going to help me move me to deeper faith? Again, if it doesn't, then you need to rethink <laughs> the kinds of things that you're exposed to. Like EWTN, watch EWTN. You want to go deep in your faith? Right there. Uh, and, and so verse 2, but who delight in the law of the Lord and who ponder his law day and night. So the man is blessed 
whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, we talk about the law of the Lord. It's not we're thinking about rules and commandments and moral codes and regulations that I have to follow or else I'm going to hell. Look, no, no, no. Our faith is about relationship. God is calling and inviting each and every one of us into a relationship of intimate, personal, loving, and life-giving communion. And so we talk about the law of the Lord. So we talk about the law of the Lord. Uh, let's let's take a look at that for a second. For, first, we have uh, God's uh, eternal law. It's the eternal law of God. That's God's inner intelligibility. That's the laws that God used to create everything that exists and everything that will ever exist. Everything from supermassive black holes to the smallest um, atomic particles, neutrinos, to this, I mean, to everything. That's, that's God's eternal law. Um, part of that eternal law is the divine law. That's part of God's law that has been revealed to us. And the fullness of that revelation of divine law is Jesus Christ. Right now, in the Old Testament, there was the articulation of the natural moral law in the Ten Commandments, or the Aseret Hadibrot in Hebrew, the Ten Words of God. So, out of the so out of that divine law, we get the natural moral law. That's the law that God has placed in the hearts of every single person, where we can come to know the uh, come to know God by reason alone. Saint Paul talks about this. You get your Bibles out. Look at Romans chapter one and Romans chapter two, where Paul's addressing the pagans who are worshiping other gods, but he's he's helping them to see that that natural tendency to want to worship something that's supernatural outside of yourself is actually pointing toward deep relationship with God the Father in and through the person of Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. All right, so that's the natural moral law. And then out of the natural moral law, we have the human or positive law. Those are laws that we adopt as humans that that benefit the common good. These are laws that are good for everyone because they flow out of the natural moral law that God has planted in every person. So Saint, so um, David is saying, if we are to be blessed, that we have to delight, not just follow, but be, but be joyful in the law of the Lord. Right, that's it. To be joyful in God's law and to ponder His law day and night. So, if you want something to ponder, you want something to think about. Forget all the the, the, the politics. I, I don't even watch television, the news, and all that. Ponder the law of the Lord. Pick up your scriptures. Pick up your Bible. Or enter more deeply into the to the life and the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Keep watching the incredible programming on EWTN. That helps us to think more deeply about how our faith is connected to our everyday life. And that's what uh, David is talking about. Uh, uh, what do you think about that, Ace? You know, I couldn't help but not think about, you know, when I was a kid, my mom used to always say, you know, well, if your friends jump off the bridge, are you going to go with them? And it's that whole, are we going to follow the world and the things that they're doing? Or are we going to actually listen to God and follow what we know is on our own inside that allows us to be able to follow and do the right things, make the right choices. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And so we have to surround ourselves with people um, that are going to bring us closer to Jesus. Um, 
uh, you know, Jesus says, <laughs> if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, obviously, he didn't mean it literally. Right. Uh, you know, Jesus was using a, a rabbinic teaching technique called hyperbole. That's where you exaggerate a point in order to make a point. So sometimes we may have to get people out of our lives, even if just temporarily, that are moving us away from faith, by, by bringing us down that tributary and follow people who are leading us to Jesus. So we're going to continue our discussion of the Christian chat box on the EW10 Global Catholic Radio Network. You're listening to Beacon of Truth. And I am your host, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. Harold Burke Sivers, and you're listening to Beacon of Truth on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Uh, you're going to be hearing all kinds of different uh, music, what we call bumper music, coming in and out of the different segments of the show. Why? Because, you know, many of you know that I am a musician. Uh, and Ace, the producer, is also a musician. Uh, all, all the members of my family, my, my wife was uh, in the Oregon Youth Symphony as a flautist mm -hmm. when she was in high school. All my kids uh, sing and play at least one instrument. You know, I play guitar and bass, but mostly mostly guitar. Although I, you know, I'm not as good as I was was. I, have, I travel so much, I don't have time to really practice a lot. Right. But music has been such an integral part of my life. So one of the things you're going to experience on Beacon of Truth is, uh, and we're I'm, I'm we're I'm going to have a show definitely focusing on music, not just liturgical music, but even secular music, and and why certain songs make you feel certain ways, and, and how all music really um, is. Remember. God is the only creator. We co-create with God. So music is an extension of God's creation. In fact, you know what? Just in thinking about this, I think one of the things I might want to do uh, when we're talking about music is take a look at St. John Paul II's letter to artists. He wrote a letter, uh, 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 an encyclical letter for artists, uh, musicians, uh, you know, uh, sculptors, paint, uh, uh, painters. You know, so we want to take a look at that, you know, because John Paul II was a very eclectic personality. He loved sports. He loved the arts. Remember, he was an actor, right? So, it, so the, the, you know, this, this is why I love about what we're doing here on Beacon of Truth. We're looking at the, the faith um, as, as a, a holistic approach. So it's not just doctrine and dogma, of course, which is important, you know, but we're also going to look at how everything that we're exposed to in our culture and in our life, and in our world, uh, in some way, shape, or form, direct us toward a, a deep faith with Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Of course, this afternoon, if you've got questions about the Catholic Church or your faith, well, of course, Psychelet is here to give that and get your calls. All you have to do, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio, it's Catholic Answers Live. I know Deacon has been on Size Show several times, uh, so it's a, a nice little in-the-family moment for us this afternoon. So uh, make sure you check it out as we talk about checkboxes. Maybe it's a checkbox you need to put on your list, uh, but you can also check it out on demand, EWTN.com slash radio for Catholic Answers Live. All right. Well, our topic today is the Christian checkbox. Right? Are we living our faith 
as if we're just ticking something off the list. So uh, let's talk about that for a second. So um, how do how do we even get the, this this Christian checks box mentality from the start? So often when we learn our faith, I, I'm, I'm thinking about myself and so many others learning the faith um, in the era that that I was growing up in the '70s, right? Uh, so a lot of faith back there was really touchy feely. Right there, you know. Let, let's be honest. There wasn't a ton of doctrine. There wasn't a ton of dogma. It was more like Jesus is my friend, and let's learn how to be friends with Jesus. You know, God is love, and we have to show God's love to everyone. And we sung songs and different things that uh, you know that that uh, uh, that was supposed to you know make us friendly with Jesus. You know, uh, well, I'm trying to think. Um, um, and there were some of the songs that I really liked. In fact, I played um, in the uh, parish choir. Uh, now it was a folk choir, right? so I played mm-hmm. guitar in a little, little, little parish folk choir. Also sung uh, in the in the parish choir as well. Um, and uh, you know, I I enjoyed that very, very much. That in fact, I did that when I wasn't serving. So obviously, my number one thing that I always loved to do was to serve at the altar. <laughs> but when I, the days that I wasn't serving, I would be in the choir, uh, either playing guitar or singing. Uh, so, so we, you learn your faith that way. It, so it's it's heavily slanted on one side, and there was not a real balance. Like like the way we learned the faith, uh, you know, like give our hearts to Jesus and our feelings and emotions wasn't balanced with doctrine. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't balanced with kind of uh, with dogma to show that okay. That yes, we we have these feelings for Jesus, and that's great. Um, but how do we balance that with with the, the actual teachings and how we incorporate those teachings into the lived experience? So there was, I think, too much on one side, not enough for the other. Again, not blaming anybody. That was just the time that it was in uh, that, that we were in back then. You know, uh, post Vatican II, and I, I mean, I I am a, a son of Vatican II. If you, in fact. You know, if you people so, are kind of turned off by the Second Vatican Council, read the documents. <laughs> you know, everybody, Vatican II said this, Vatican II said that, blaming Vatican II. You want the spirit of Vatican II? Read the documents. Read what it actually says. Don't listen to some, you know, theologian who, who, uh, who has an agenda who's going to tell you this is what the documents say. No, read them for yourself. They're not difficult reads, and you only have to read all of them. Just read the main documents, Lumen Gentium and the Light of the Nations, Gatim et Spes, um, the, the uh, uh, Joy and Hope that talks about uh, the church in the modern world. Uh, look at Sacrosata Concilium on the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Look at Apostolicum Apostolatum that looks at the lay vocation and, and, and the role of the lady in church. You know, read those basic documents for yourself, right? And so uh, because there was a little bit of an imbalance, there's a tendency then, without kind of a an integrated, holistic approach to the faith, you kind of like, okay, faith becomes behaviors that you do. You know, just like you, 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 because look, you have your morning checklist, right? Your checklist for the day. I get up, I have my coffee, I, you know, I, I take a shower, I get, I have a little breakfast, I get dressed for work, and you know, whatever your morning routine might be. But and, and so there's a tendency if, with the imbalance in the way that we receive faith, that we experience the faith, 
that there is a tendency to then live the faith like a checkbox. So what we want to talk about uh, is how do we integrate both those uh, sides of our faith. Yes, the, the feelings and the emotions, the heart, the heart of the faith with the head of the faith. Because once you have the head and the heart connected, now you are more prepared to enter more deeply into the life of faith. Now, Ace, um, you're not Catholic, uh, but have you you've found this to be very similar in your experience? Oh, yeah. I mean, I kind of went through the journey as a Protestant and have you know, been in several situations where I take a little bit of this and that to try to figure out what does my routine or checkbox, because again, as I was new to my faith, I needed some kind of routine to get me into a habit. It's kind of like, you know, dancing, right? You got to learn the basic steps. And then once you know the basic steps, then you can dance within the floor freely, right? But still staying on beat, which is where I feel like with God, you have to stay on beat so that you're in sync with the music, you're in sync with what he's saying to you. But I know had I not had foundational checkbox in the beginning, I wouldn't have known if it became that part for me where it became boring or it became so routine that I was like, okay, got it done, now on to the day. But did I get anything out of it? Did I, yeah. did I really hear from God? And that's my biggest part to this day. And even when I talk to my kids about decisions that they make, I'm like, what does God say to you? And where's your peace? Because those two should always line up. Otherwise, it's too expensive. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and hearing you say that, Ace, you know, I'm thinking about that's why we have to know the why mm-hmm. of our faith. Mm-hmm. We have to know why. Because look, I, and that that's the nexus. That is the nexus. That is the connection between the head and the heart is why. Because if you don't have that, then you learn all this dogma. You're learning all this stuff about Jesus. It becomes something that happens in your head. You have all this knowledge about it. It becomes intellectual faith. And what happens if you focus too much on that, you don't have a heart. Hmm. So, for example, you know, you have people saying, well, people who are, same-sex attracted and people are transgender. They're all going to hell. And we shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't even be associating with them because they're just about, well, whoo, 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 time out, time out. Uh, yes, we, we have church teaching that tells us about um, uh, what it means to be in relationship with each other and what that looks like um, in, 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 a, in a physical and in, in, in spiritual way in, 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 the, uh, in matrimony. Right. Uh, uh, the the state of literally matrimony, marriage literally means the state uh, or condition of motherhood. Matri is a derivative of the word mater, which means mother. And monium is a suffix ending in Latin, which means the state or condition of something. So, yes, the church is, it says that marriage is one man and one woman. Yes, we understand that. But there are people uh, for whatever reason, you know, uh, are making different lifestyle choice decisions. If we just live in our head, we will never reach them. Because you cannot reach someone like that by pounding them with the dogma and the doctrine of the faith. Uh, so, okay, that, that's one side. The other side is the heart. We're so touchy-feely that we just, we just accept everything. Well, yes, this person is, you know, uh, uh, a, 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 a young boy who thinks he's a girl. Well, you know, just let him go with it. You know, just just go with the flow. And, 
you know, Jesus loves everybody, and we just have to accept everybody. Of course we have to accept everybody. What, what, what's the Catholic position? We love everyone, but we always don't love their actions. And we judge actions, we never judge people. That's the principle. So, if, so, so too much touchy feel on the other side. So the nexus between the two is why. Why? When you learn a dogmatic truths of the faith, why? We're, we're talking about we have to enter into another person's experience. Why? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the next between the two is why is Jesus? Look, Jesus taught things that were difficult. They were so difficult that people walked away from him. In John 6, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And they walked away from him. Right? Um, uh, but Jesus also ate and talked to prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors. People that were ostracized, people that, you know, they said, well, these are the people you want to avoid. No, Jesus entered into their life and experience. And what did he bring? He brought truth because he is truth itself. Amen. See, so that has to be the connection. That has to be the nexus by, for not living a Christian checkbox. Remember, we looked at the psalm. When, when David said in Psalm 1, we have to be joyful in the law of the Lord. Delight in the law of the Lord. So that it should be a joy to follow Jesus. Yes, it's not always easy. But there's a joy there in knowing that following the Lord is going to help me to become the person who God created and calls me to be. Well, and a question, though, too, in as we think about it, really the easy answer should be if you don't have any relationship with them because of choices they make, how can you even reflect God's light into their situation and circumstances? Yeah, that's very good. Um, it's the same thing, with, exact same thing with race, race relations, right? Mm-hmm. If we want to break down the barriers of, of race, and well, I'm sure we're, we're going to have a show talking about that, but if we want to break down the barriers of races, and what do we have to do? The first thing we must do is what, what the Bible says, Genesis 1.27. We have to see each other the way God sees them, made in God's image and likeness. Every single human being is made in God's image and likeness, regarding of sexual orientation, regarding of race, color, creed, gender. They are God's children. Mm-hmm. And we need to see the person standing in front of us in that way. Now, Once we're able to see the person the way God sees them, now we're able, and we enter into that experience, and they see that we're genuine in our love for them. Not their actions, not their actions, but we they see a genuine love we have for them Mm -hmm. as a person. Now they'll be more open to listening to what we have to say. Because now that we didn't we didn't put a barrier up, we didn't put a blockade up, either an intellectual. Um, uh, uh, theological blockade by being so you know uh, uh, rigid and dogmatic that we can't see the Jesus Christ in the person, or the other way, we just accept everything and just and just write off as God is love. No, uh, it's it's a it's it's, it's both and. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a both and. And so once we're able to see the person made in God's image and likeness, once we see what God sees. When we look at the person in front of us, now we're able to enter into that person's experience. And now that person 
in their interaction with us now, will take one, even if it's just a little step, it's one step closer to Christ. It's one step toward deeper intimacy with the living God. Well, I have a question, Deacon, because I, I think a lot of times, and I hear this from people I've known most of my life, of how to break out of the habit. So let's say you've always mm. done the checkbox, and you know maybe at a time it did work, and you know then you just got to a part where it was stagnant with where you are with God or with church or whatever it is. But breaking bad habits is not something we, as a flesh, find easy. Where, where would you suggest for people to begin to even have that breaking of the checkbox bondage? Yeah, that's a great question, Ace. You know, <laughs> you're right. Jesus Christ says uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, mm-hmm. right? And when I was in law enforcement, one of my area of expertise was, was threat assessment. And so um, one of the things we do, for, if we're on a protection detail, one of the things that we would do is vary our routine. We would not take the same route driving every day. We'd not, we would vary our routine to break out of a pattern that, you know, so, so that if, if, if there's a threat, the threat would not know from day to day what our pattern is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we fall into these spiritual patterns. We fall into these, you know, the, these things, are our spiritual routines that we do every single day. And so one of the things that we want to do to change things up is to change the pattern of our day. So, for, for example, I'll give you this example. Um, once I, I went to see my spiritual director because um, I was frustrated because as I got busier with speaking and writing, I found I had less time to pray. So I went to him. I, thought, I said, Father, I said, what, what do I do here? I mean, I've got so much, so many demands on my time, and I feel like I'm trying to squeeze in prayer in between all the other million things I have to do every day. Uh, and, it's, and I don't want prayer to become just something monotonous. What do I do? How do I break out of it? And he looked at me. He said, pray more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Wait, wait, wait. I said, I said, hold on, Father. Maybe you didn't hear what I just said. <laughs> I said, I need, I, I have too much going on. And no, he, but he, he laughed. He said, no, I'm serious. Mm. Pray more. So I said, oh boy. So you know what I started doing? I had, I, I started getting up earlier. I'm not a morning person. I have never been a morning person. <laughs> I will never be a morning person. <laughs> but what I had to do to break out of the routine, to, to enter more deeply into a life of prayer, to get up earlier. So now I'm up. Well, at least I try, I try to get up at 5 in the morning Pacific time, my, my time out here in the West Coast of the United States. Um, I try to get up early, although I don't like it, um, but I, I, I do my office, and then I try to get uh, a workout in. If I, you know, if, uh, and obviously, I'm flying. I would get up even earlier than that. But, but try to purposefully make my relationship with God the first thing that I do Every single day. Why? Because that sets the tone for the entire day. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you don't have a, a routine that involves, I mean, getting out of bed and immediately consecrating your day to God. Maybe it's just you can't pray the office. You don't have time to pray the office um, like like uh, I do and other deacons and priests and, and bishops do. Um, then maybe you can uh, start the day off with the rosary for the day. You know, maybe you can start off with a, a consecration prayer to the Blessed Mother. You know, obviously all our consecrations are to Jesus, right? But the Marian, Marian consecration, what we mean by that um, is we always consecrate everything to Jesus, but it's, th- in this case, for Marian consecration through Mary. 
right? Consecration to St. Joseph, we're consecrating our lives to Jesus through Joseph, right? So we all want to make sure for our non-Catholic listeners that they understand what we mean by that. Um, so, yeah, so finding different ways to, 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 to pray, um, maybe picking up the Bible and reading the, the, the uh, gospel for the coming Sunday Mass, for the coming Sunday liturgy. So when you go to Mass... You're not hearing the readings for the first time. And now you're able to reflect. Because, wait a minute, I'm not hearing these for the first time. I've read these before. And, I've, and I started to contemplate them. And now when I hear them at Mass, they're feeding me more mm. deeply. They, you know, the, the Word is hitting me differently. You know, I'm entering more deeply into God's Word in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Because I took that time earlier in the week to soak in the Word. Right to read the word, to soak in the word. So, so uh, those are so just some very simple things that we can do to to break out of those habits and move to deeper faith. I'm curious too, like in because I know that for me personally, in my prayers, like if I tell someone I'm going to pray for them, sometimes it may be in that moment, like even if it's in the middle of the shopping center or you know grocery store, or whatever, because it, it it lets them know the importance of that prayer is not just a passing comment that it, it means something to me, and in that moment, whether regardless of the person that I'm praying for, it lets them know the importance of giving that situation to God. Yeah, exactly. You know, for, for some reason, and I, and, and, and I include myself, I very much include myself in this, I am not a person that likes to pray on the spot. You know, like when somebody says, oh, you know, they tell something's going on in their life, and, uh, I, you know, I, and I always say, I will pray for you. And I always keep my promise. I always do pray for everybody who asks me for prayers. I definitely do that. Mm-hmm. But I often don't do it on the spot. Like, oh, let's just pray right now. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just for some reason, that doesn't seem to be very natural uh, to Catholics. So, you know, what I mean is, you know, I'm going to go back with, you know, home. Like when I pray the office this evening. Uh, during Vespers or evening prayer, I will include you and your intentions in my prayers. Or the next time I go to Eucharistic Adoration, you know, I will make sure that um, that I'm praying for you and your intentions, you know. But what, often what we don't do is what, is what you just said. Well, the, the person gives, we're in the middle of a, a store, and the person, you know, oh, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I've, I've been out of town. My mom is sick, and, you know, I'm the oldest, and so I have the responsibility of taking care of her. And so that's really taking a lot of my time, so I haven't been around very much. Oh, my goodness, I, I didn't realize that. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for your mom and pray for you. You know, you're, that you're able to have the fortitude. Oh, thank you so much. Right. And when I say that, I mean, I'm going to pray for you later. Yeah. <laughs> it never it never hits me to say, well, you know what? Let's just pray right now. And, and, and it's not that I'm embarrassed to pray in public. Like, oh, if we if we stand here in this aisle, somebody might see us. I mean, it's it's yeah. not that because I, I pray in public all the time. You know, when you're praying in front of an abortion clinic or if you're praying even just a, a, a meal prayer um, uh, in a restaurant or on the plane or in the airport, I have my breviary out and I'm praying. I'm not afraid to pray in public. But for some reason, when somebody wants like just spontaneous prayer on the spot in the moment, I'm not comfortable with that. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm, I'll never say no to someone who asks for prayer. Um, but if they say, well, let's pray right now, then like, oh, oh, okay, you know. So, um, But that's a little bit out of my comfort zone. But you know what? Jesus on the cross, 
was uncomfortable. And sometimes, you know, if, if in order to really serve our brothers and sisters, to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves, we have to get uncomfortable. We have to get out of our comfort zone, out of our routine, out of our checkbox, and, and do things that will help bring another person to deeper and closer faith to Jesus Christ. Well, and have you ever had the flip side where someone, like you're telling them something going on in your life and they prayed with you on the spot? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and that typically happens with people who have a, a charism that's more charismatic. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they're, they're much more uh, open and comfortable with spontaneous prayer like that. And I don't have a problem with that. In fact, you know what that happens most um, before um, I speak? You know, um, I always have, I, I have, a, I have a, uh, my, my routine. Uh, which I love doing, and I actually I mix around the prayers before I go out to, on on to speak. Whether it's ten people or ten thousand people, you know, um, I it's always the same routine. I have my prayers that I say, um, and so again I mix those around. There's some psalms that I reflect on, you know. I'm preparing my heart and my mind to go out there and really focus on what God needs me to do in that moment. What will happen? is that we'll have uh, maybe some of the organizers of the conference or maybe just some people from the parish will come up to me. They see me preparing. They'll come to me, Deacon, um, I'm sorry, I don't mean to disturb you. I I see you're you're, you're preparing yourself to speak. But can I just pray with you? Can I just pray over you? Or can I just pray? Mm. And and I'm like, okay. You know, again, (laughs) that's not something I'm like 100% comfortable with. But you know what? It's okay. Because that person in their heart is sharing the gift of of God's life with me. And, you know, I can never say no to that. Yeah, so. I, I think you have to allow them to do what they feel the movement of the Spirit. So maybe when we are uncomfortable and even in our own walk, being able to lean into someone else who is stronger in that area, and then if that's something that I know for me, if that's something I need to be better at, then hopefully God will give me that gift. And even when it is uncomfortable, do it anyway. Amen. And so, uh, you know, we, so we talked today, it was great, about getting out of that Christian checkbox. You know, getting our normal routine that will help us to have a more deeper, more lively, intimate faith with Jesus Christ. So look forward to seeing you again on Beacon of Truth. I'm your host, Deacon Harold Brick-Sivers. And may Almighty God bless you and keep you and protect you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.